Ian Campbell, our chairman, has already been at one other church this morning, so it's great that, that he made himself available to come out tonight. Um, so I'd ask Ian just to come up and share with us from God's Word. Ian. I just add my thanks to those that Dawn has already expressed, Christoph, for the warm welcome tonight. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here and to share with you this evening. It's awful. It's artificial. And it's amusing. Those are the words expressed at a royal visit to St. Paul's Cathedral a number of years ago. And had you been the architect, the man to whom those words were expressed, well, I wonder how you would have felt as as they looked around at the building. It's awful. It's artificial. It's amusing. Apparently, the architect was delighted to hear those words because the comments were made by a member of the royal family some considerable number of years ago when the words meant something very different to what they mean today. Awful, apparently, used to mean it's full of awe. Artificial meant it was artistic. And amusing, well, meant something more along the lines of our word, amazing. And the architect was thrilled. Isn't it strange how words change their meaning? If you go back to a dictionary of 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago, you'll find words there that we never use at all nowadays. And so many others for which the meaning has changed. And somehow it seems to be that the meaning usually changes for the worse. The word is devalued and downgraded. What a contrast that is with the word of God. Peter says that the word of God lives and abides forever. He quotes in the passage we read from Isaiah who says that the word of the Lord endures forever. Peter here is writing to a persecuted church. In the early part of chapter 1, he's reminding them of the inheritance that they have in Christ, an incorruptible inheritance, an inheritance that won't fade away. And then in the middle section of the chapter, he's reminding them of their responsibility to live in a holy way. Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. And then at the end of the chapter, in the last few verses, He draws that general thought down into the very specifics of this church and of these people. And in verse 22, he says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. He's saying as you become more holy, as you seek to go through this process of sanctification, love one another. That's the first mark of being a sanctified, a set-apart people. But why are they to love one another? Verse 23 tells us why. He says, you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. And how have they been born again? He tells us there again, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. For just a couple of minutes at the end of our service, I want us to think a little bit about that word of God that abides and lives and endures forever. Just leave two thoughts with you from Peter's observations here about the Word of God. It's been our focus in the service this evening. 
And I want to suppose to leave a challenge with us tonight that the word of God will be the focus of our lives every day and in every circumstance. So just two implications of this word of God being the enduring, living, and abiding word of God. And the first one is this. Peter is saying to us here that if the word of God is living and enduring and abiding, it then is essential for evangelism. It's essential for evangelism. These folk were born again. How? Through the word of God. God uses his Holy Spirit to use the word of God to awaken spiritual life in an unbeliever. And what Peter says here is consistent with what the other New Testament writers tell us as well. Romans chapter 10, Paul reminds us, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. James tells his readers, of God's own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Suppose the challenge is simply this tonight. I'm sure it's true for you here in Kirkpatrick. It's true for Don and Ravenhill, myself in Woodville. We have our different tools and plans and schemes for evangelism to reach out into the areas in which we live. And so we should. But it's not a scheme or a plan that sees men and women born again. It's not the eloquence of our words or our arguments. It's not the efficiency of our evangelism committees or our Kirk sessions. It's not even the effort of individual believers, though all of those things are important. How are men and women and boys and girls saved? It's by their introduction to the truths of the Word of God. So can I ask you tonight, for you personally and as a congregation, is the Word of God at the center of everything that we seek to be and everything that we seek to do? In the songs that we sing, in the worship that we bring, in the drama perhaps that we use, when we speak to the boys and girls, when we're out in those traffic lanes of life, involved in our own personal testimony and witness, is the Word of God at the center? Is everything we say and do consistent with and pointing to the truths of Scripture? And what about me personally? Is the Word of God at the center of my life? Not just as, a, as an academic exercise, learning facts that I could answer if there was a quiz and won a prize, but learned in such a way that the Word changes my life. It's infused into every part of who I am and what I am. And it affects everything that I say and do. I have a minister friend down in the Monaghan Presbytery, Reverend Jean Mackerel. And Jean in her own county cabin way, remember her saying one day, you've got to give them the Bible. Can't say it with the, the, the fervor and the accent that Jean says it with. But she's right, you've got to give them the Bible. No matter what else you do, the scriptures are the key this is the abiding, living, enduring Word of God. It is essential to our evangelism. And the second thought is simply this. If this Word of God is enduring and living and abiding, then it must surely be permanent in its character. Permanent in its character. Those words of the king to the architect, awful, art, uh, artificial, amusing. Those words changed 
in meaning between then and now. But God's word, you see, exhibits the same characteristics as its author. Because he is living and abiding and enduring. He doesn't change. Not one little bit. And neither does his word. And Peter takes us back to the quotation from Isaiah chapter 40. Speaking there in the prophet's words about what God has said and what is written down. He says, all flesh, all humanity is like the grass. And all of the glory of man, all of the things that we think make us special, all of the things that are beautiful as we would see it, the glory of man, it's like the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And so when we read God's word, we are reading God's view on the world. And to ignore it, dismiss it, or tamper with it well we do so at our peril and so when we read what the bible has to say for instance about the condition of mankind the soul that sins it shall die we're reading truth that is as relevant now as it was when it was written when we read what the bible has to say about man's own righteousness so then those who are in the flesh cannot please god it's as relevant now as it was when it was written when we read what the bible has to say about the cross where Peter reminds us that he, Lord Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's as true now as it was when it was written. The promise of his return. Do you remember the promise given to those who watched the Lord Jesus ascending back into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up to heaven from you will so come in like manner. That promise is as true now as the day that it was given. And the warning of Hebrews about what we shall do, if, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation is a warning that's as true now as it was and it was given. Oh, think of it, friends. Tonight, when we read God's word, we are hearing God's words. We are thinking God's thoughts. We are knowing God's mind on any particular subject. What a privilege. What a joy. Thomas Paine was a writer and a political commentator. He emigrated from England to Philadelphia in 1774. And he wrote the first of a number of pamphlets or booklets there called Common Sense. It was a, a booklet that advocated independence from Britain. He came back to Britain some years later and wrote another controversial pamphlet called The Rights of Man that, in which he advocated the, the dissolution of the monarchy. He wisely fled the country after writing that one because he was up for treason and landed in France in Paris. And there he wrote another pamphlet called The Age of Reason. And his purpose in that particular one was to demonstrate, as he saw it, the absurdity of the idea of the Word of God being put into a written form. Listen to what he said about his pamphlet. This will destroy the Bible. Within 100 years, Bibles will be found only in museums, or in musty corners of second-hand bookstores. He wrote that in 1795. More than a hundred years has passed since. He was wrong, wasn't he? Toward the end of his life, he rued the day when he wrote those words. He said, I would give worlds if I had them, had the age of reason never been written. And why was he wrong? Because the word of the Lord endures 
forever. Friends, tonight, don't dabble in the Word of God. Don't nibble at its edges just when you have a crisis. Don't, as one writer I saw recently put it, treat it like the yellow pages where you only go to it when you need something. May it be for all of us part of our daily routine and a daily privilege to love it, to learn it, and to live it out as we discover again all of the wonderful truths that it contains. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you tonight that your word lives and abides and endures. We thank you that we're not reading tonight the words of men, even wise men or theologians or professors, but rather we're reading your words. You have given us an insight into your thoughts and into your mind. Oh Lord, seize us tonight of the, the privilege that it is to have your word and we pray tonight that you will put into our hearts an earnest desire to learn it and to apply it to our hearts. And we ask by your Spirit this evening that you will give us the grace and strength to do so. And then we pray that you will help us to take your word out into the highways and the byways of life into this district. And use it, Father, to point many, many lost souls to the one who is Savior and Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.